Alright, creatures of the night, welcome to episode 132 of Talking Taker, our encyclopedic exploration digging up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of all time, The Undertaker. My name is Alex Dorio and I want to thank you for joining us for yet another round of Dead Man Talking. And I am joined, as always, by my tag team partner, my wrestling buddy, my fellow creature of the night. He is the rated PG superstar, Mr. Travis White. He's a family man, people. And Travis, tonight we are talking about Armageddon 2007. We are closing the book on another year in the legacy of the career of The Undertaker and a triple threat between The Undertaker, Batista, and a new rival, one of his greatest rivals, someone who we're going to cover quite a bit in this next year, the man they call Edge. What you think about this, buddy? I'm excited about it, dude. I like the name. Rated PG Superstar, dude. Rolls off the tongue. It does. <laughs> Love it. So, yeah, man. Yeah, all Disney Plus that goes on in my house, I might as well be the rated G superstar. So, well, I, you know, yeah, I wanted to give you a little good. bit of an edge there. A little bit of an edge, a little bit of an edge, yeah. <laughs> Even some of those Pixar movies are PG nowadays. So, oh, yeah. got a little bit of an edge to them. Yep. So, speaking of edge, yeah, we're going to insert edge into this uh, storyline here and give this old uh, Batista Undertaker feud, rivalry, uh, feud i'll say uh, a, a new edge man like literally and figuratively like it's gonna add we talked about the last few episodes uh having these face versus face matches has been the matches are fantastic but the storyline kind of sucks and so because you have the, the face dynamic now insert a heel game changer man so it's gonna be fun to talk about this kind of stuff uh get back to basics of storytelling one-on-one so good stuff coming up Absolutely. Edge is about to inject a much-needed shot into the arm of this storyline as we enter the shocking turn of events that take place post-Survivor Series 2007, uh, where we pick up here. We take our time traveling hearse back to November of 2007. Like I said, we left off with a Hell in a Cell match, a great match between Undertaker and Batista, although the storyline was starting to get a little bit stale. But thankfully, Edge interfered in that match, came out of nowhere, hit Undertaker with the old Constairto, smashing his head between mm -hmm. chairs and a stair. Uh, surprised we never got a stairs match out of this rivalry, aren't you? Well, we have one years later, but yeah, we didn't get one here. <laughs> Thank one God. Here. <laughs> That's awful. Remember that one? It was tables, ladders, chairs, and stairs? Yes. That. That's why I brought it Who up. Who was in that match? Like Eric Rowan and... Somebody or Big something. Show, it was awful. Yeah. Woo. Woo. Rough. Anyway, thank any God we're not doing a. Thank God we're not doing a Rambling Rowan uh, podcast. Whoa. Rambling about Rowan. Might be on the Patreon coming soon. <laughs> or going Rowan. Going yeah. Rowan. <laughs> Rowan. 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 Your boat. Could be our Patreon exclusive. <laughs> the Eric Rowan podcast we'll have two listeners oh man him and his pet and his birdcage <laughs> <laughs> oh anyway oh well before we get there folks we got to get through the undertaker's <laughs> career so travis why don't you pick us up here uh i guess it's thanksgiving week here november 23rd yeah. 2007 on smackdown as we start the build up to armageddon with uh batista like i said retaining his world title with the help of edge at survivor series 
Yeah, well, this show is going to open with a recap of Hell in a Cell, but wait, wait a minute. Hold on. I got to back that? up here. Okay. Apparently, something <laughs> something we have to address happened before this actual show takes place. So those of you who know, you ever been to a TV taping, before the, the taping, there are dark matches, uh, untelevised, oftentimes using, you know, local talent to get over, you know, a new, a new guy or just showcasing somebody who hasn't been on TV or somebody they're thinking about bringing back to the company or giving a shot. So this night, I... I mean, you found this in your research. I'm going to let you take take the, the tip here. <laughs> yeah, so, man. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> Just to talk you through the process of what we do here on Talking Tech, or what I do at least, I typically, I'll go to online World of Wrestling, and mm-hmm. I will read through Same. all the SmackDown recaps or, and the Raw recaps to see, you know, just to kind of scan exactly what I need to go back and watch for us to talk about here on the show. And a lot of times they'll put in like reports and the dark matches on here. And for this episode of SmackDown, I saw a dark match that it's unavoidable. I blew my mind, dude. Like they got (laughs) hidden gems on the WWE network. I need them to unearth this footage, but apparently this is real. Cause I also looked up some other articles from the time talking about this, but the man who's going to main event WrestleMania this year, Drew McIntyre. Yeah. This was in his first few months in the company. He teamed up with legendary Dave Taylor in a match, in a dark match, in the year of our Lord 2007 <laughs> against Knobs and Sags, the Nasty Boys, before an episode of SmackDown. Again, 2007. <laughs> I that, just, I need this in my life. I, I know. I need to see that. That is awful. What? <laughs> a, whose idea? This had to be John Laurinaitis's idea. He was head of talent at this point. What a horrible idea to bring back the Nasty Boys. Apparently it was, because they did not score a job out of this. <laughs> no. A lot of write-ups online about how they couldn't find the hard camera and just have their backs to the camera the whole time. And they went way over their time trying to get their spots in. They were apparently super stiff with Drew McIntyre, but dude, I don't care, man. I, I forget the hidden gems. I want to build a time machine, our time travel on hearse. And I want to get the nasty boys signed to a contract in 2007. I yeah. want to have, I want this match to main event WrestleMania 24 back in the time. There you go. Nasty boys, Dave Taylor and Drew McIntyre. <laughs> My goodness, oh, man. man, give it to me. That just screams like that's a recipe for disaster right there, <laughs> man. Cause Drew is so green at this point. Dave is having his drug problems and about to get gone from the company. And then the nasty boys are always on <laughs> drugs and trying to be brought into the company. <laughs> yeah. And, their hair is eternally amazing. So, yeah, this is man, what a rotten, rotten dark match. <laughs> but yeah, up? like you said, I'd love to see it. Weren't they in TNA like a couple years after this too? Either right after or before. Yeah, at <laughs> some point, yeah, they were there for probably when Hogan was there in twenty nine and twenty ten, probably. So, who knows, man? That's uh, yeah. That's something. I'll tell you what, man. But, Nasty Boys for Hall of Fame 2020. I'm getting the campaign started oh yeah. right here. Oh, yeah. I mean, we got Batista and the NWO announced so far. And by the time of this 
release of this. We're recording this a little early. We might have some other people, but hopefully Nasty Boys, man. Let's go. Let's get it. Get it in. Let's get it going on, man. Might as well. They got to go in some point. Taking a pity city. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. Well, getting back on track here with this show. All right. This ma- I don't know how. I don't know how we're going to do that, but how we recover. How do you start to show off at the high point like that? It's only going to go down from there. But um, this SmackDown 11, uh, November 23rd is going to open with a full recap of that main event of Hell in Cell, Edge's involvement. Then we're going to cut backstage where Edge is on Vicky Guerrero's couch, and she's reprimanding him for ruining the match. She's like, you know, I can't believe you ruined that match. It was such a great match, and you know they didn't get a um, you know decisive win like they should have. And she's like, I'm going to punish you. By next week, you have a world title match against Batista. And he's like, um, okay, let me get this straight. Next week, you're gonna, you're basically saying I'm a normal contender. I'm going to get Batista next week. And so I'm going to jump ahead of The Undertaker. Taker's taking a backseat to me, and she's like, yes. Yes, he is. And then Edge, basically, here's the big reveal. Uh, he says, I'm off of mention it, but I just wanted to thank you. Because I, I wouldn't have been able to pull off what I did last Sunday at the Survivor Series without you. Welcome, baby. And you can thank me later if you like, which goo. they're making goo-goo eyes <laughs> and then start to make out. And all I can think of is that Jamie Nobleboy is back in the back watching this, just getting angry man just hog farmer angry back there <laughs> that's why vicky didn't want him she's already hooking up with edge yeah there you go she wasn't oh, ready to have sense. that uh, bedroom pillow fight match with jamie <laughs> exactly yeah so um yeah this is the big reveal that they're in cahoots uh as the attitude era would say and uh we hadn't heard that word since like 99 have we no. cahoots nobody said it in a de- decade almost so um yeah, but watching them make out is um, man, it's something. They're they're they what they gave it all. They're all so. they committed to this, and that's why <laughs> yeah. I think people remember the storyline so fondly. Because yeah. I mean, both Edge and Vicky went for yeah, it. and Vic, I mean, Vicky's not a performer at this point. I mean, she's barely been there. Like, I mean, she, man, she went all the way with it and went for this stuff, and it was. It, it's so shocking here. I, obviously, we weren't watching during this point in right. time, so I don't know what the internet reaction was at this time, if this shocked people uh, so much. I'd love to hear from some of y'all who were watching during this time what your reactions to this storyline was. But, man, I can just imagine it being like, whoa. Yeah, absolutely. I remember reading about it and being like, wow, that doesn't make sense to me. But then seeing it now is, it's man, it's something. But, yeah, like you said, you know, she grew up with the business being with Eddie, you know, not grew up, but she was married into it and understood it. And Eddie was one of the best that there ever was. And he was always all into the stuff he was given, especially in WWE where he had more character development stuff. But, you know, you can see that training from him with her and just watching her in her infancy stages here and who she's going to become on our TV screens. Like you said the other week, one of the best heels in the business. She gets nuclear heat and she's not even a performer. And like, you can see it start to like blossom here as the weeks are going to go by, and, and even on next week's episode, the more we cover, it's going to be. You just get to see her falling into this into this role and just doing a good job and putting her putting one hundred ten percent into it. So, but yeah, <clears throat> later on, 
we're going to get Edge bringing the cutting Edge back to SmackDown. His guest is going to be his his opponent next week, Batista. So um, Batista comes into Vicky's office later on, and he's wondering why he has to face Edge. Why has he give Edge a title shot? He says, you know, the Undertaker deserves one. Um, not Edge, because he ruined the match. You know, yeah, I beat Undertaker, but it was, you know, it wasn't fair. And so Vicky's like, I'm going to give you two reasons why Edge gets a shot next week. One, he deserves it. And two, I love him. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. Can't argue with oh, that. Well, yeah, exactly. Can't argue with that logic. So um, Edge comes to the ring later on for, uh, he has his, uh, his pose and his pyro, or shoots off behind him and, he motions for Vicky to come out, and so she takes his arm, and they walk to the ring. And like you said, man, they're just they're in it 100%. You wouldn't know that they, you know, weren't in love because they're they're over the top. Uh, it's wrestling, you know, over the top. People in the the top row can see them making out. It's so animated and stuff. But uh, it's great stuff, man. It's great heel stuff. Yes. I really dug it. Like compare this stuff to. Lashley and Lana yes. and Rusev and Liv Morgan and all of that stuff. Like, mm-hmm. it's just a world of difference as far as the level of performers, the, the way all this stuff connects and makes sense, and the way mm-hmm. the stuff in the modern day just doesn't. I mean, it's this that we were talking a little bit before we went on. This stuff and the stuff we'll get to later, this feels like Attitude Era. And it feels like obviously they're going for that feel and it connects here Mm -hmm. more than so much other stuff. And like the stuff they're going for now, trying to be like the attitude era, it just feels so forced. Yeah, it does. And one reason that Lon and Lashley get so much heat is because people actually don't like it. Like it's, it's, they want to cheer Lon. They love Lana. She's, she's a beautiful woman. They always cheer for, you know, Lana day and let's go Lana. And you know, Lana's number one to see her try to force this heel character down your throat it's so stupid, but like this whole Vicky, she didn't have a lot of, a lot of backstory here. She's so this is, this is fine. It's believable, and Edge is a slimy heel, and it's great, man. It's 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 it works, man. It's awesome. And uh, one other thing that worked is JBL's comment when he sees Edge and Vicky says, "This reminds me of Demi Moore and Ashton Kutcher," which is a sign <laughs> of the times because yeah. they are no longer together. But it's just you can put this in a. A time capsule. I'm like, yep, I can tell what year ish this co- comment came from. So, <laughs> but very true, you know. Oh, so, yeah. very true. So, um, anyway, getting really big booze, really, really big heat here. And Edge is like, you know, you guys need to admit it's really great to see me. You know, he's proud to be the new number one contender. He says that he deserves all the credit, but he could not have done it without the general manager of SmackDown. She's the love of his life, and they make sure to say that over and over again ad nauseum um he sees the love of my life and they start cuddling there in the ring and he says that you know what we're witnessing now is four months in the making he says that uh it's four months of preparation and plotting and the culmination of this all is going to be next week when he defeats batista to become the world heavyweight champion again he calls out batista batista comes out in a suit uh, I don't know if it was too questionable this time. Maybe it was a fine suit. I don't know. Neither one of us really made a comment in our notes about his questionable uh, fashion choices. So, but he does have his head bandaged up from that, you know, gusher he had back at Hell in a Cell. And Edge welcomes him, and he's like, "Welcome to." It. And Batista's like, "Shut up!" And he just yells at him. <laughs> and I just, I loved it. Yes, I loved it. He just cuts him off. Dave, I, I want to welcome you to the show. Shut up! Gonna... I don't know what the hell. What's going on between you two? But it makes me sick. And Edge is like, talking about making me sick. He's like, it makes me sick to watch you have my world title. He says, you know, 
while I was gone, because Edge never lost the title, right? He had to relinquish it. So, you know, he's like, Batista, you've been holding on to my title um, while I was gone. That makes me sick. And Batista says that Edge doesn't even deserve a shot, but he does deserve the whooping he's going to give him next week. And then he just shoves Edge to the ground and leaves. Yep. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's like you've been saying. Batista is it's a short burst. He's intense promos. Um, he's not lollygagging around, not trying to be cute. He's out there. He's intense. And like I say, he just shoves Edge on his butt and then just leads, dude. And it's great. Like, it's, I loved it. I was sold right there. Yes. That's on when seeing he's at them his fight. Best. Yeah. Yeah. No question. It really, yeah. It really is. And so Vicky's consoling her, the love of her life, Edge, and he gets up to his feet. And all of a sudden, we get the dong and the lights go out. And when they come back up, the lights do. Taker is standing right behind Edge and Vicky in the ring. Edge just bolts out of there and runs away. He leaves his love of his life in the ring with <laughs> his nemesis, the Undertaker, and um, refuses to get back in the ring. So uh, Undertaker just does what he would have done in the Attitude Era, and he did disable. We saw that. Um, and he grabs Vicky by the throat, and Edge is kind of begging him off in the on the aisle way. And uh, Taker hesitates a little bit while he stares at Edge and um, looks over at Vicky real slowly, looks back at Edge slowly, does a throat slash, and then he just picks her up for a tombstone. A chokeslam's not good enough. He's going to go the extra mile. Picks her up for a tombstone, and he doesn't do it toward the hard cam like we'd be used to seeing. He actually stares straight at Edge when he does mm. it, which I thought was a cool mm. touch, you know? I don't know if that was – I don't know if that's anything. We're just – I'm just – I don't know if I'm taking oh, it I'm sure it was too seriously. Yeah. Hopefully it's intentional. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm trying to say. I don't know if it's intentional or not, but he looks straight at Edge up the aisle way. So what we're seeing on the hard cam is from a side, and he tombstones her right there in front of him, and Edge is almost in tears, the love of his life there in, in the ring. And uh, – Looks back and Taker is angry as the show goes off the air. And there's no commentary or music during the end of this, which I love. We talk about the little, those little nuances that add so much. So there's no Edge music, no Taker music. It's just, it's all silent and it goes off like that. And it's really cool. I really liked it. Dude, and that's a huge, I mean, two huge angles on this show with Edge revealing his relationship with yes. Vicky Guerrero and then Vicky Guerrero getting a tombstone. Again, mm-hmm. attitude era, man. Just these mm-hmm. big shocking moments. So much stuff crammed into this show. Sort of more of an adult storyline here. Mm-hmm. That's not like it's not sexy, you know, it's not right. just like uh like a Val Venus storyline. I don't mean that kind of adult <laughs> storyline. Uh but <laughs> Yeah, Taker didn't say I top you top you up easy. <laughs> Although it would have been great. It would have been great here. Jamie uh, Noble could have. Uh, and it continues on, man. Just uh, this episode is really fun. Dude, or at least, uh, the stuff we're talking about to me was really fun <laughs> to go yeah. back and see. Especially because I had never seen these shows before. I knew the beats of the storyline, but I hadn't sure, seen a exactly. lot of these segments before here. And again, Same. kudos to Vicky for taking a tombstone. Obviously, Undertaker is protecting her, but she's yeah. not a trained worker. She doesn't take bumps. Right. And that could be a pretty scary one to take. Uh, without a doubt. So kudos to her again for, for going along with this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, next week on SmackDown, November 30th, Edge opens the show up. Uh, he comes out for promo. And again, he's going to kind of go more in depth on this storyline here. Uh, the crowd is hating on him, getting some you suck chants before yeah. he even st- opens his mouth here. And he recaps how he lost the world championship without ever losing it. He had to relinquish it due to an injury four months ago. Uh, he said he was thinking about retiring during that time. 
but uh, he, he he thought it might not be worth it to go through the months and months of rehab to come back because these fans don't appreciate him. He says he never got any phone calls or emails or texts or anything like that. What you pointed out is the complete opposite of his comeback here in 2020. Like how he's it's literally, so beloved. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the exact opposite of his recent comeback at Royal Rumble. It's so funny to me. Like I just think it's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. how much the times change. But yeah. Ed said he did get one phone call that changed his life, and that was a call from Vicky Guerrero, who had just become the general manager. He says, But the more we talked, the more Vicky began to motivate me, gave me reason to, to go through that rehab. She was with me every step of the way. And over time, we got closer. One thing led to another. And sometimes you just can't help who you fall in love with. And obviously as fans, we're all thinking, oh my gosh, this is such a BS. He's using her to get to the top. But Edge, he's not giving any indications to that. He's not like winking at the camera. He's he's just playing this completely serious, which also helps put it over the top too. Mm -hmm. Um, He says Vicky stood by him in his rehab every step of the way. And it was Vicky's idea for him to dress up as a cameraman at Hell in a Cell. And he says he helped Batista win because he knew if he could take out The Undertaker in that match, then he knew he could defeat Batista. And uh, as good as it felt for him to come back, nothing felt as good as publicly declaring his love for Vicky Guerrero last week. Yikes. <laughs> I love I love the comment, though, that just let me interrupt here, where he says, you know, I had to take Taker out because I knew I could beat Batista. Thus, again, putting... Taker and his phenom status on a pedestal, like not saying I know it can be Taker. He's still, I know it's, I know it's a fake story, but like he's saying, like as far as he knows, Taker's an unstoppable monster. You know, like I may not be able to defeat him, but I can defeat this one guy who's a little bit lesser than him. So I just like that uh, as we follow the story of of the Undertaker here. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Edge finishes his promo. He dedicates his match with Batista to Vicky Guerrero tonight since she is not there with him, obviously selling that tombstone there. So our uh, nameless, faceless interview lady uh, that we talked about last week, she talks to yeah. Batista about his match with Edge tonight, and he says he's going to do the nice thing and, and send Edge to the hospital to spend some time with Vicky after defeating him tonight. So... Never say Batista doesn't care about people, you know? That's right. <laughs> but apparently, he said hospital, ooh, not oh, medical facility. I didn't, yeah. I didn't pick up oh, yeah, he, he did. Uh, apparently, the WWE does not care about people here, Travis. Uh, you noticed something on the WWE <laughs> network that uh, ties into some of the stuff uh, we were talking about with some racist uh, undertones or overtones of the past few weeks. Uh, yeah, we mentioned last week about how you know, just some accidental slash intentional racism that goes on there. And um, literally on the WWE Network, it says there's a chapter that says, um, and it's actually, it's Ranjan Singh, which is Kali's new um, <clears throat> handler or, you know, whatever, if you will. And he's talking with Vince, but they label it as Mr. McMahon and Davari. Discuss Kali versus Finley. <laughs> so I rest my case. I rest your case. It's not Davari, but he is just a brown-skinned man with a beard, and so they're going to call him that. It's just... You, you can't get any more like narrow-minded than that. Like, Oops. <laughs> yeah, not the same guy. <laughs> but uh, yeah, 
That's awful, man. That's yep. Awful. <laughs> well, we had just recorded an episode like the next day. I'm watching this. I was like, it's just, so it's fresh in my mind. And I'm like, oh, that just puts a bow that on that awful. racism. That's awful. <laughs> yeah. uh, not as bad as a flaming, cr- I mean, symbol. Not, but... not quite on that level, but still. Uh, I don't bad. know. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> the main event for tonight is that world title match between Edge and Batista. It's really good stuff here. Pay-per-view quality match. Uh, really long world title match. Um, we got some uh, lovely ladies in the crowd. Uh, they're there to see Undertaker. They got a take or take me sign. Uh, dude, that chick was some cougar in the audience. Dude. Take or take me. I'm like, whoa. And you know what? I noticed a lot of that these next dude, few weeks. I was just about to a say, lot. there's yeah, some thirsty ahead, women in the crowds these next yeah. few weeks. For Batista like and the, Undertaker. Yes, for both of them. And they are just, whew. They're ready for these guys. This is creepy, man. <laughs> oh, those guys had their pick of the litter. Should we take that sign? Take her, take me to WrestleMania or to uh, New York in a few weeks. I'm, I'm, I don't see any reason why not. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, uh, Batista, he uh, is rolling. He's about to spear Edge when all of a sudden the gong hits, lights go out. They come back in the ring, and Taker is. Already in the ring with the goozle on Edge when the lights come up. But Batista, he spears Edge, sends him out of the ring. So Undertaker turns right back around and chokes him as Batista. <laughs> so all three of these guys, they all have an issue with each other. Nobody likes each other. It all makes sense here. Uh, but that's obviously going to cause a DQ for this match. But uh, hold on a minute, player. That's Teddy Long's music we hear in the background. (laughs) After a few months of uh, recovering from his heart attack, the player is back, and Teddy comes strutting out. He uh, Edge is like crawling up the rampway away from Undertaker and Batista, and Teddy stands right next to him, and he says, Edge, I know what you're thinking. You deserve a rematch for the world title. And he says he agrees. And Teddy, this was great. He... Pulls out a script out of his uh, yes. three sizes too large jacket and says he's going to read off the same words that Vicky Guerrero said to Edge last week. He's going to say them here tonight to The Undertaker. He says, Undertaker, I'm going to punish you. That's right. I'm going to give you. A world title match. So at Armageddon, the match is going to be a triple threat match for the World (laughs) Heavyweight Championship. It is going to be Edge, that'd be you, versus Batista, versus The Undertaker. The lightning strikes, Undertaker's eyes roll in the back of his head, Edge starts crying in the aisle way, and there we go, man. Uh, fun stuff. Edge, that'd be you. <laughs> Batista versus the Undertaker. It just, oh, it's so good, man. Edge, he has as so, much fun as anybody. I mean, uh, Teddy Long, not Edge. Te- oh, yeah. Yeah. Teddy's having a blast, man. Always. This is good stuff. Well, that's going to lead us to the next week of SmackDown. December 7th, 07. Uh, after a recap of what's gone on the last few weeks, Teddy Long comes out, makes his return, get, and he asked for a holla, holla, holla 
from the crowd. Holla, Can holla, I get a holla, holla, holla? holla? <laughs> oh, yeah. He's loving it. Apparently on WWE.com, it was announced that he's the assistant general manager while Vicky recovers from her tombstone. So, again, if you weren't keeping up with WWE.com, it doesn't matter because Cole and JBL will tell you what's always. going on. <laughs> yeah, always. But uh, he is very happy that he got to announce that triple threat main event uh, for Armageddon when he was called in on the last minute. And he says that this triple threat main event is going to be unlike anything you have ever seen before. And I'm waiting for him to put a stipulation on it <laughs> or say something. But he just, no, nah, man, that's it. It's just... That's it. It's just going to be unlike anything you've ever seen before. You know, and he, he is right. He is, but he's training the Vince McMahon school of hype. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, man. Well, uh, Edge interrupts and comes out. And he's very frustrated. And he's like, you know. So even a heart attack can't stop you. Let me explain something to you. Now, you need to quit hating on me about this heart attack. That's over with. It's done. I'm fine now, Edge. You know what, Teddy? You haven't changed a bit. It's like it's almost like we're led to believe that they've been bickering backstage about this. Because on TV, what we've seen, we haven't seen them to go at it. But like, he quit hating on me by the heart attack. I just, <laughs> I love it. Dude. They're Provide so good. A little backstory, yeah. Yeah, and you know what I noticed about this stuff too is like I'm sure it was scripted, but they were stepping on each other's lines sometimes. They would jump in, they would cut each other off. It felt more real. Um, and so, I don't know, it's just, uh, it felt, again, I'm sure it's, they had scripts back then, but um, it just felt more realistic, it felt more attitude era-ish, where it was a little more improvisation and stuff, so kudos to them for doing that. But anyway, Edge is like, you know, you are only the assistant GM, which I can only think of the office assistant to the regional manager. Daddy's like, you know, Vicky's not here, so I'm the man in charge. And Edge looks at the camera and he's like, Vicky, I love you. Which I do like this cheesy over the top addressing her like yes. in the like camera. It's great. So and uh he tells Vicky he loves her and Teddy's like, you know, do you have anything better to do than come down here and send love messages to Vicky Guerrero? <laughs> and uh and uh she's he says, Why don't you text her? What's wrong with your phone? And <laughs> it's just like it's just so funny, man. And Edge just says, you know, uh, Scar- I'm sorry, Edge asked Teddy, he's like, have I ever wronged you in any way? And Teddy's like, no. And Teddy's like, because you screwed me time and time and time again. And then uh, he says, when Kane ripped my pectoral muscle off of its bone, you didn't give me 30 days to defend it. You just, you know, I had to relinquish it. And Teddy's like, no, let me clarify, you relinquished it. I did not strip you of that. So I like that, you know, mm-hmm. continuity playing in there. And then Edge, you know, is like, can you explain to me the logic to add and take it to the match at Armageddon? And Teddy says, uh, yeah, I mean, you know. He's my favorite it, wrestler in the entire world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the underlying message is, he's my favorite wrestler. But uh, he's like, you know, are you done, Edge? And Edge is like whining about, you know, I haven't had redemption over the last four months. You know, I've never got the title taken from me or, you know, I never lost it. And Teddy's like, you know, redemption, you want that? I'll give it to you tonight with the man that injured you four months ago, Kane. So Teddy says that, uh, suggests that Edge is going to man up tonight. And I take on Kane in a match, and I just this whole exchange, man, was some of my favorite stuff I've seen in a while. It was just good. Again, it's good to have the actual heel there to play yes. off of. Yes. So later on, Batista is going to defeat Elijah Burke in a match that, in my opinion, was just okay. Now the ending is oh, excellent. The finish was awesome. Yeah. Finish was awesome. Uh, Elijah Burke comes jumping off the. Uh, top rope, I think it was. I mean, going for like a double axe handle or something. But Batista just spears him out of midair. And it's one of the best spears that you're going to find, man. It reminded me of, uh, 
I remember uh, uh, Goldberg um, <laughs> doing one to Kiwi. Yes. <laughs> on, oh, I was actually there that night. Yeah, it, and that it one was like that. Yeah. yeah, and uh, Elijah Burke jumps off the rope and Batista just spears him out of his boots, and it's awesome, man. So, but uh, not much to it than that. But it's a great, great, great thing there. Nah. And um, I always liked Elijah <clears> Burke, though. I did, yeah, I, I was a fan of his. Underrated. I didn't really care for him when he went to TNA and became the Pope. And so now he's, I know he's an NWA power now. Um, I still like, but I really thought he had a lot of potential and mm-hmm. didn't get a fair shake, you know, in, in, in WWE. Um, somebody that's getting a fair shake in 2020 um, is MVP. <laughs> uh, let me just take a little break for a second here because he has an MVP VIP lounge, which I guess as uh, a couple weeks ago after we were uh, on, on raw, we had an MVP lounge with uh, Drew McIntyre in real life. Like, in 2020 so uh but <laughs> the mvp brings out michael p.s hayes and did you watch this this whole scene <laughs> do, do, do. <laughs> it's great dude they're trying to shill the uh, world-class championship wrestling dvd mm-hmm. but uh basically it's a, it's a public service announcement to not take drugs <laughs> yes, basically yes. but dude it made me want to see p.s hayes versus mvp match sure. like, right now i would take it so can we uh, but, uh, pat ourselves on the back for getting mvp back in wwe too because <laughs> yeah like, you guys are welcome <laughs> yeah somebody's listening to our show again man we were hyping him up during that whole kennedy feud and yeah. there he is back on tv yeah you know who's not back kennedy because he sucks yep let's uh <laughs> hope it remains that way yeah, exactly. Well, our nameless, faceless uh, interviewer is going to interview Batista about the Armageddon match, and she points out, you know, you don't have to be pinned to lose the title, but, you know, he says he's still confident, um, and he's battle-tested and ready to go to war here. So um, Edge versus Kane is the main event here, and, um, again, we I do like the continuity there, saying that it was Kane who took Edge out a few months ago. In reality, he ripped his pectoral muscle, but anyway... Batista comes out to do commentary, and this brother hasn't changed since that Elijah Burt match. He's still no. in his underwear. <laughs> he hasn't showered. Nothing. But he's in his gear. I just was like, why are you out there in your underwear on commentary? But anyway, it's a long match. Um, not bad, but you know, not something I was really looking forward to, honestly. But uh, Edge brings a chair in the ring. And before he even swings it, Mickey J calls for the belt, which I thought was kind of stupid. Like, he hadn't... He hadn't done anything with it yet, but right, Mickey yeah. J, as we've, as we've covered, he's a little bit off on the referee skills <laughs> here. So, calls for DQ and the bell, and then Kane boots the chair into Edge's face and hits him with it, and then Kane goes and grabs the steps and throws him into the ring. Edge is going to give him a drop toe hold onto him, and he's going to wind up hitting a concerto on Kane. Actually, he's going to go for it. Batista runs in and stops it, and uh, Edge and Batista have a standoff in the ring, and uh, the lights go off. The gong hits, the lights come back up, and Taker is in the ring with Edge by the throat, goozling him. Batista's going to run in and spear Taker and allow Edge to escape up the ramp. So, again, like, you know, just kind of the opposite of last mm-hmm. week um, where they're all getting, you know, getting their shots in on each other, and the two good guys wind up fighting each other while the bad guy runs away. So, dude, it's simple, but logical, makes sense, and it, it adds, it builds on top of each other from week to week, man. This is good stuff here. And the next week is some more good stuff. Something a little fun, little diversion here as we head over to Raw for a few minutes to talk about the 15th anniversary episode of Monday Night Raw, December 10th. Wow, we're already in January. Uh, yeah, that's kind of weird. <laughs> you know, Raw debuted in January of '93, but we're doing the 15th anniversary in December of '07. I don't understand why they did that either. But you know, as we've talked about, just because, yeah, of course. 
Um, as we talked about on here many times, uh, that we took a little break from watching wrestling after the Benoit stuff went down earlier in 07, but you and I both separately watched, uh, at least part of this 15th Mm -hmm. anniversary episode of Raw episode. Uh, for me, it was the first time I'd watched any wrestling since the Benoit stuff went down. Um, and you know, still had wrestling fandom in my blood and I knew there was going to be a lot of legends on this show. It just seemed kind of fun. Um, I take that back. I did did watch a little bit of the episode a few weeks ago where Jericho. Yeah, me too. Because I wanted to, he was one of our favorites. We mentioned that, Mm -hmm. but uh, I watched a good chunk of this one. uh, Just kind of flipping channels, going back and forth with it between that and uh, Monday night football, I think. But yeah, man, I, I watched <coughs> another good chunk of it here is getting ready or, or Golly, here on the network, yeah. man, because it's a fun show. Oh, yeah, it's fun, man. I do remember watching this because at this point I was back in my parents' house with my roommate and I had, had moved out of our apartment and moved back, both moved back home to save some money. So I was back home. I do remember so we weren't catching it at my apartment anymore on Monday night. So you know, things, even if Benoit hadn't done what he'd done, I don't know where we would have been watching this. Because were you back home too at this point? No, no, I still not had quite. Maybe at this point, you said a couple more months. Okay, <clears throat> so yeah, we maybe we could watch at your house or your apartment. But anyway, I do remember watching this at home, and yeah, like you said, it was kind of like you knew it was gonna be those, those nostalgia trips, not really storyline related. It's gonna be fun, so I wasn't really, I didn't feel too guilty about watching it. But yeah. I definitely was excited to watch it the other night when I watched it back. So. <laughs> Some fun stuff. We're not talking about all of it, but it's some fun stuff on it. Yeah, no, the it opens with Vince and Shane and Stephanie and, of course, the illegitimate son, Hornswoggle. Uh, mm-hmm. They're supposed to be having a McMahon family portrait. Uh, and then Triple H comes out and ruins it because he's going to bring out all of the affairs that Vince has had over the past 15 years. So he brings out Melina, brings out Sonny, hello, uh, <laughs> May Young, of course, uh, who said Vince says he got real drunk after Fabulous Moolah's funeral. It was a, it was a Moolah's funeral, and uh, I had, uh, I had a little something to drink. I'd had a lot to drink. I mean, I just dusted the cobwebs off in a. Moolah's <laughs> funeral. Like there the, goes the money. Like Shane's hitting the showers. Shane walks away. Triple H goes, "There goes the money." <laughs> Triple H is great here. He is, he is awesome. He's in getting this off segment. all his one-liners. Uh, yeah. Then he brings out Howard Finkel, Big Dick Johnson, Bastion Booger, <laughs> Briscoe and Patterson, Abe Knuckleball Shorts. It's <laughs> it's ridiculous, man. Uh, Patterson comes out. Triple H goes, "Well, that doesn't surprise me." <laughs> Uh, Stephanie kisses Triple H and says uh, she'll see him at home, which is kind of the first time since the mm-hmm. McMahon Helmsley like storyline that they've really acknowledged any of that stuff, uh, like in real life yeah. on the show. And then our old buddy, uh, frequent fan of the show, The Godfather, comes out uh, <laughs> bringing his ladies in tow. Uh, Jr. says that he sees King's next wife in the crowd. Oh, in the in the in the ho train. Oh, that's what I meant. He's yeah, like, the crowd you. of women. Yeah, yeah. Rimshot and King's right like, there. I see, I see a few of them. <laughs> <laughs> a few of my next ex wives. <laughs> uh, we do get some things that play into our storyline, though, which is why we're talking about this yeah. because uh, 
two of the people in this triple threat match that we're getting to face off in a six-man tag as Evolution reunites Triple H, Flair, and Batista against Umaga, Edge, and Randy Orton, who uh, Flair, Triple H, and Batista are all baby faces, but Randy Orton's a heel, so mm-hmm. he wants to prove uh, he's better than all these guys. So um, he teams up with Edge and Umaga, and Evolution picks up the win there, uh, sort of a feel-good match. Uh, on there uh a match that made me feel bad though was the 15 superstar gimmick (laughs) battle royal here with legends from 15 years of raw um legends like steve blackman and al snow (laughs) bob backland uh dude you telling me the nasty boys couldn't have been called up to be in this match dude that's how bad their tryout must have been that they didn't get invited to be in this yeah Oh, yeah, we saw Bastion Booger and <laughs> <laughs> yeah Steve Blackman on this show. Bart Gunn. Bart, yeah, Bart Gunn. That was wild. Oh man. Oh man. Uh, and there are some sloppy eliminations in this one, man. Some dudes that hadn't worked mm-hmm. in a while nearly, nearly didn't walk again after this match. But <laughs> right, our old worst, most hated. <laughs> Villain of the entire series, Talking Taker, Erwin R. Scheister, IRS of all people, Travis, wins this 15 superstar battle it. royal. Except he doesn't. Thankfully, Ted DiBiase comes out and pays off IRS, puts some money in his briefcase, and encourages him to jump over the top rope. So thankfully, Ted DiBiase <laughs> actually picks up the win here. Yeah, I love that, man. I thought it was great. It was nice. I thought it was great. And then the show ends uh, in a very fun way as well. As Vince McMahon is back, he's going to announce the greatest Raw superstar of all time. And, of course, he names himself Vincent Kennedy McMahon. Perfect. Perfect. Mankind ain't going to have any of that, though. He comes out, gives Vince Mr. Socko. Uh, Vince is all laid out selling that. And then the man who main evented the very first ever episode of Raw 15 years ago, our man, The Undertaker, comes out. Makes big epic entrance, all the works, all the fixings there, and takes off his hat, takes off his jacket, tells Vince McMahon it's business time. Vince gets up to his feet and gets a huge choke slam. Vince McMahon gets up for this choke yeah, slam. Yeah, he does. Dude. <laughs> and then Taker hits the Shakespeare pose, stands up, and the gong hits, and he disappears. And then, of course, Stone Cold Steve Austin comes out. The glass breaks, he blows the roof off the joint, entertains the crowd with some work on the mic for a bit, and gives Vince some stunners, some Steve Weisers, brings out all the legends and the entire Raw and SmackDown rosters, and has a little beer bash in the ring. Uh, fun way to end the show there, and there you go, three of the biggest legends, Mankind, Stone Cold, and The Undertaker right in there with him. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it was, it was weird that... Taker and Batista and Edge were all on the show, but they're all on SmackDown. So, but yeah, it's Raw's 15th anniversary. But we're gonna have all SmackDown guys well, on there, yeah, so yeah. whatever. But and Pete again, there's no. Yes, Pete Gas was in that match too. <laughs> yeah, thank God. All the legends. So, yeah, all the legends. Well, um, hey, dude, let's have uh, Mean Street Posse for Hall of Fame 2020. Put him in. <laughs> you put weren't wasn't there a fourth one? Was Rodney, Rodney, Pete, Rodney, Gas, Joey and Joey Abs. Wasn't there one was there other guy him? for like a minute? Maybe. And then like they dropped him. 
Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. Let's go back in the archives. Well, that brings us to the Go Home Show for Armageddon and uh, SmackDown December 14th, 2007. And Edge, dude, this brother is ready for some hockey. Oh, it's like a yeah. hockey jersey he's got on. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. He's he's out there in like a rated R. He's he's definitely donning all of his gear, man. Um, rated R superstar gear out. He's, he comes out to the stage. No music or anything, which I really like. And he's telling the crowd. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me. Which, as you mentioned in your notes, is a little precursor to Vicky's, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, maybe maybe he set the seeds there for her to take that and run with it. So, But I, I love how there's no music. It gave it a really realistic, anything-can-happen type feel. Really felt Attitude Era-ish. Like you said, this whole episode is going to feel like that. So he'd like to welcome back Vicky Guerrero. And so she's been off TV for, what, three weeks now? Yeah. I think it is. And uh Teddy Long comes out pushing her, and she's wearing a neck brace, and she's in a wheelchair. So Teddy is just, like, stoic behind her. You can tell he's selling really well that he doesn't want to be there. So doing a good job. Pushes her out, and Edge reminds us that The Undertaker did this to her and shows us the footage, and he wants to let Vicky address the fans there. And so she says that she's not well. She's had physical injuries, but she's also emotionally distraught. You know, she thinks she needs to have some psychological help because of The Undertaker and but she has to come back to fulfill her GM duties. You know, she she really feels responsible. So she reminds us of the match we're getting on Sunday, the triple threat, and says tonight all three of their opponents in that match are going to be in action to prepare themselves for Sunday. Edge, you're up now. And he's acting like he's, you know, not prepared. And he's kind of like, what? Like, like, what? What? And so he goes to the ring, and uh, she says, you need to go to the ring. Go there right now. And so he goes back there, and Vicky says, yeah. Which answers the question of who starts the music. <laughs> it's the GM, apparently. Poor Teddy. Yeah, poor Teddy. He goes back there, kicks the music on, Edge's music plays, and um, he's in the ring. And then his opponent comes out, and it is Funaki. <laughs> so, yeah. So, again, this is perfect heel stuff. You know, they're in coots together, so she's giving him an easy one. Uh, Edge is relieved that this. And it's really funny because Cole is like, Michael Cole is like, this is not a real challenge. You know, this is just, you know, he's not a, like, basically putting Funaki down, which is part of the story, you know. Right. But then JBL's like, no, man, he's a former Cruiserweight champion. He's <laughs> he, been here for 10 years. And he's SmackDown's number one announcer. And I just love, like, they're playing their roles perfectly, too. Yes. What's the storytelling here? So I really loved it. But yeah, Funaki gets a few high spots, I mean, a few hope spots here. And, uh, Pretty good, pretty fun little match, honestly. And Edge hits the spear and pins him, and Vicky's just clapping along, and uh, Teddy just stands there, and Edge goes out there and makes Teddy Long raise his hand in victory, which I just love the whole uh, the way they're just taking advantage of Teddy here. It's just really good. You 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 can't wait to see him get give them their comeuppance, you know, eventually. Yep. So um, good stuff. <clears throat> She's in. Vicky then announces that Batista will face Kane. In the last man standing match, and the Undertaker will face Mark Henry and Big Daddy V in a handicap match. So, boom, they do <laughs> not have easy fruitcake walk matches like uh, fruitcake walk. What's that? Come walk. and say cakewalk. Fruitcake walk matches. That's how they do it in Tennessee, uh, I guess. Like, apparently, I don't even like fruitcake walks. Oh, I mean, no I don't even like fruitcake. <laughs> what? What is a fruitcake walk? I don't know what that is. Anyway, but yeah, so Taker's got Big Daddy V and Mark Henry, and Batista's got Kane. So again, they're gonna have 
a harder time making it to Armageddon. That's the goal here. Um, well, we're going to get, uh, sorry, we're going to get Kane and Batista in a very like intense last man standing match. It wasn't that bad. Batista's got good, good chemistry with these big guys like this. So, uh, he gets Kane with a spine buster on the announce table, which doesn't break, but may break his spine. Cause mm. it's, it's like when Vince hit the table at, a um, what was that? St. Valentine's Day massacre. Right. <laughs> just right. land around the spine. So, and then Edge comes just running out of nowhere and spears Batista. Batista starts to get back up, try to beat the count up. Edge runs at him again. Batista flips him over his back. Uh, and Edge gets up before 10 count while Kane is still laying down from not going to a table. And um, so Batista wins. And Edge hits him with a chair and uh, smiles. As you know, his his opponent for Sunday has been softened up not only by Kane but by the chair he just laid him out mm-hmm. with. So good storytelling there. It's really good, really wanting to – Get the the heat on the heel there, so you can see him get his his uh his uh come up and on Sunday hopefully. But later on, we get Vicky uh, congratulating Edge backstage on what he did to Batista. He's like, "Did you see what I did out there? Did you see what I did?" He's like a little you know sad little uh, you know boyfriend or something. He's kind of impressed or so. Um, anyway, she's like, "He's like, is there anything else that you need?" Uh, enough about me. What about you? I'm I'm so concerned about you. Is there anything I can do for you? Maybe a maybe a bottle of champagne so we can celebrate. Well, let's see the champagne for Sunday. That's a great idea. It's a great idea, but there has to be something. Please. Well, I could use two aspirins for my neck and some coffee. Thank you. You heard the woman? Two aspirin. Some coffee. And she likes it with a little bit of cream. Got it? And Teddy kind of looks at him, stares at him. He walks off and he's just mumbling under his breath. like <laughs> It's just, it's so cartoony, but it's so good, man. I love it. So, And then Edge and Vicky make out because they love each other. Oh, so. yeah. But now, here comes the moment we've all been waiting for. <laughs> here comes the pain. Here comes the pain. Here comes the money in the beefcase. It is so much beef in this ring, dude. Big Daddy V, Mark Henry, coming out, uh, and Big Daddy V's giving us the, uh, you know, the live long and prosper, the, um, you know, the Vulcan symbol from, uh, from Star Trek, which is also, I guess, Vader's symbol. Yeah. Big Daddy Vulcan. <laughs> That's what V stands for. Yeah. <laughs> Big Daddy Vulcan. Well, speaking of big, dude, this dude is huge. Oh, my. So we have, we have covered him on here as Mabel, breaking Taker's face. We've covered as King of the Ring. We've covered him as a member of the ministry as Viscera. That's right. We've covered him uh, a few years ago when JBL brought him back out of nowhere. Yep. He and Gangrel. And now we're here again, and he is going to, again, his story is going to intertwine with The Undertaker. He just can't get away from him. So and dude, you can't help. Yeah, what a beefcase this guy has. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, hey. dude, I loved this shot that comes up here as they come out to the yes. ring and they're standing on one corner and then the Undertaker mm-hmm. is doing his entrance on the other corner. They have this wonderful framing up behind these yeah. two monsters going, shooting through them to Undertaker. That's one of the coolest shots I've ever seen. 
it's really good, man. And again, we just we like to point that stuff out because some some stuff we take for granted. But if you go back and watch it, it's like, man, that was genius, like the way they shot that. So um, really, really dug that. But um, honestly, this match was better than it had any right to be. Yes, any. I mean, it's, it's not bad. It's not bad. Like. It's two-on-one with both guys in the ring together, no tag. So Taker just immediately goes at him, man. He just takes it to him. Uh, I'm not going to break it all down, but basically he, he, he winds up thwarting their offense and, and being able to isolate them and uh, hits a double goozle uh, and then winds up hitting a choke slam on Mark Henry after he and Big Daddy V collide, and Big Daddy V is kind of out of it, and so Taker just pins Mark Henry. Poor Mark, man. He's taking pinfalls to take her. Like, I know, dude. All the time. Not even yeah. Big Daddy V yeah. can go down. I know. Well, they're really trying to build him up as something on, on ECW. So. Like, uh, this match, you would read on paper and think, good Lord, what a train wreck. Right. But I did. Yeah. Undertaker <laughs> is such a pro. He knows exactly when to time yes. his comebacks. The mm-hmm. crowd loves him so much. And, mm-hmm. these guys, and he's worked with both these guys a million times. Yes. And these guys are such monsters, and you can believably get heat on Undertaker because they're mm-hmm. so massive. Something exactly. about it just clicked, man. I, I it really did. It was a fun little TV match. I was shocked to have enjoyed it. Honestly, I was really like looking forward to like skipping through it, but I was like, ah, I'll, I'll check this out, make sure it's not too bad. And then, honestly, the best part comes here at the end, man. I <laughs> love this part. So. Talk about these guys are monsters and they can actually get heat on Taker. Well, they do here. So after this, after the match, Viscera winds up, you know, getting some revenge on Taker and he hits uh, the double choke lift slam on him. Mark Henry does a big splash. Then Big Daddy V just winds up dropping elbows and he'll drop an elbow. Mark Henry hits a big splash and they just kind of go back and forth alternating who's doing what. And then they pick him up for something I don't know if I've ever seen in my life. They both get him on their back in a double torture rack. And I was like, I've never seen that. No. And how have I never seen that? A, how have I never seen that? And B, that is a great finisher for these two guys. Strap the tag team titles. Well, you might have to put some extensions on them, but <laughs> strap the tag titles on these two dudes and let them run wild. Please. Like, I would have loved Take it. I cannot money. believe. I know. I can't believe I'm saying it, but this was. I love these guys together. It Put was these awesome. guys against London and Kendrick and let them just throw them <laughs> yeah. around the arena. Absolutely. Let them face the nasty boys. <laughs> yeah. Dude, double so good, torture act. Give that to the uh, the War Raiders, man. Let that be their oh, new Yeah, finisher. that'd be great. Come on. Nobody, that'd be great. Does man. anybody do a torture wreck? Um, like, no. What a Somebody does NXT. I can't think. Yeah. Finishing move. Like. Oh yeah. Th- that move was so over when Lex Luger oh, did it. Man. We would do it to each other all in exactly. middle school. Exactly. That's yeah. one of our favorite moves to do to people. Like. Yeah. Oh man, uh, Drew McIntyre. Let, let that be his yeah, submission. Do let him do a torture. Great man. man. Oh, yeah. what a great move. <laughs> This double torture rack is a sight to behold. I cannot believe I'm going to say go back and watch this again. <laughs> December 14, 2007. Genius. Go watch. It's great, man. I would love. I would have loved to see them be tag titles, tag title holders. But anyway, well, so after Taker's decimated, basically they they wind up slamming him down, and Edge comes out and and mocks the Undertaker um, by doing his Shakespeare pose over Taker's body as he's laying there. So that's how we head into Armageddon. So. Um, man, 
this episode of SmackDown was, like you said at the beginning of the show, it's very Attitude Era-esque. Everything intertwines. It's a storyline drip, driven throughout the whole episode. Edge and Vicky are all over it. He he bookends the show. Edge comes out yes. first and he closes it. Great stuff. This he's in the middle. Yeah, the the story the the world heavyweight title is the number one prize mm. on the show. Yeah, not somebody's divorce or you know child thing or choppy choppy or peep and nothing like that. It's always it's the world title, and uh, that's how we're gonna head into Armageddon. So really, really good stuff. Just a breath of fresh air. Yeah, exactly. And, and to have a heel be. It, it, the baby faces well the baby face has the title but they're chasing this heel who just keeps getting over on them and, yeah oh man it all clicks together it's so refreshing here uh but yeah armageddon 2007 that's our main event here tonight december 16th 2007 the melon arena in pittsburgh pennsylvania you and i have never seen this pay-per-view mm-hmm. or this match before uh, but I believe we were both, like I said, we were both kind of still kept up with the news and the happenings back when stuff was going on. So we knew the storyline and, and, you know, we know what's going to happen in this match. Pretty famous um, yeah. moment in here that reflects, uh, that still um, made a couple guys' careers that are still in WWE today. Uh, so um, we'll talk about that when we get there. But. Uh, Travis, I know you wanted to point out some of the other guys on this card and some of the other wrestlers and how they're still around today. I was going to say, yeah, speaking of NWWE today, let me just do something we don't do too often. Every now and then when it stands out, we'll do this. But I want to run down this card and just let's let you listeners at home just hear this. So there's a dark match, which I guess was on Heat. It's Jesse and Festus versus Miz and Morrison. Okay. Three-fourths of those guys are on the roster now. Yep. <laughs> those of you who don't know, Festus is um, – is uh, Gallows. So, yeah, I don't know what happened to Jesse, but yeah, Miz and Morrison are back on SmackDown 2020. Uh, Rey Mysterio versus MVP. Rey Mysterio is still there. <laughs> MVP has been back since the Royal Rumble doing things, uh, allegedly going to work backstage. And, and uh, they fought match, each other on Raw two weeks they, ago. Yeah, they wrestled on Raw <laughs> a couple weeks ago. Yeah, exactly. Uh, next match Big Daddy V and Mark Henry versus uh, CM Punk and Kane. So, again, Big Daddy V has passed away, but Mark Henry works for the company still. He's he agents some of them as a talent scout as well. He's responsible for signing uh, Braun Strowman, Bianca Belair, uh, a couple other guys like that. So anyway, uh, CM Punk works for Fox or WWE, whatever, and Kane is the mayor of Knox County. He's still on the <laughs> roster and a former 24-7 champion. Right. Uh, Shawn Michaels versus Mr. Kennedy. Uh, Shawn Michaels is backstage at NXT and one of the main guys there, um, still with the company, Jeff Hardy versus Triple H, uh, Triple H is who he is. You know, nothing that, you know, I can't say about him. Jeff Hardy still has a contract there. He hasn't wrestled in almost a year, but he's still there. Um, Finley versus Greg Kali. Finley works backstage. He's an agent. He trains all the women. Greg Kali is not there. Uh, Jericho versus Randy Orton. Randy Orton is the biggest heel in the wrestling business right now. Yeah. Um, you could say MJF is up there too, but Orton has more of a history, so I put him up there. Chris Jericho is the one of the biggest heels on AEW. He's great. He's a he's a rock star. He's a Hall of Famer. Right. Next match, Beth Phoenix versus Mickey James. Beth Phoenix just wrestled at the Royal Rumble. Yeah. She commentates on NXT. Mickey James is agenting backstage right now while she's out injured. She's still on the active roster though. And, she and does in the main commentary event, commentary on like main event, too. Oh yeah, she does randomly, <laughs> doesn't she? Yeah. 
Main event, Edge versus Batista versus Undertaker. Batista retired last year after WrestleMania. Edge just came back after nine-year absence, and Undertaker still works there. This this is 13 years ago, and 90% of this roster still wrestling. That's just crazy. Either wrestling most or works them, there. Yeah. yeah, most of them for the same for WWE. So it's just, it, is, it blew me away when I overlooked that. And I, I shared it with you last week off, off uh, air. I was like, I wanted to talk about that this week. So just crazy. How uh, sometimes things change and they stay the same. So Dude, it's funny. You know, we've talked on here about what a big deal it was when Undertaker had hit his decade of destruction, and how it was like, oh my gosh, right. ten years in WWE. Yeah. That's crazy. And yeah. now that's like that's nothing. Like, that's, a, yeah, at least half of the roster has probably been there for ten years at this point. Mm-hmm. Like jabronis that don't do anything will wait around for ten years. So oh just, yeah, you know. I'm, I'm not saying that to belittle any of these guys, but it just shows no. you sort of the the way the business has changed. Like, has there's changed, no competition yeah. at this point. You know, TNA's around, uh, and I guess this was kind of their peak when you know Christian and Kurt Angle, and it, mm-hmm. it, it was sort of a legitimate second option at this point. But still, mm-hmm. you know, they they were never on WWE's level uh, anywhere mm-hmm. close to it. So that's the place to be. You're not jumping. You're not going anywhere. Um, you're gonna stay around for as long as you can. <clears throat> yeah. So, anyway, I just uh, I just wanted to run that down just because it was it just blew me away. So something else is gonna. Vicky's ready to blow uh, Edge's celebration away. She's got, got balloons. Uh, I had to word that carefully. <laughs> She's got <laughs> balloons backstage, and uh, Edge says that you know she had balloons in her office backstage, and he says you know I'm gonna win tonight because of your love. Your love gives me the strength of three men. So he's going to need that tonight to beat The Undertaker and uh, Edge. I mean, and, and Batista, excuse me. So he kisses her hand for good luck, which I thought they were going to make out again. And I was oh, honestly kind of, kind of tired. <laughs> <laughs> well, dude, man, it, it is a shame that Valentine's Day was last week and we didn't time this I one know. out to come out then. Would have been perfect, but we've got plenty of love to pass around for the next few weeks here. Absolutely. As, uh, this match is the main event on the show. Uh, and I want to point out once again, Undertaker, this is the fourth show in a row that he's been on uh, that right. has been the main event, the last match on the card. So ever since he came mm-hmm. back at Unforgiven, uh, he was not on No Mercy for some reason, but every show he's been right. on since he came back at Unforgiven, main event. So there you go. We talked at the beginning of 2007, uh, like kind of felt like got the short shift at WrestleMania and at Backlash. But now, I mean, SmackDown is running the show. Well, who's gone? Think about that. Who's gone from Raw? John Cena. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Isn't that funny? That's Again, not, there's nothing against him, but he's 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 a golden boy and he's gone from Raw. And Great so. Point. It's actually a good thing because they're allowing SmackDown and guys who should be in the main event, like Undertaker and Batista, main event. So, you know, some good came out of uh, Cena being gone for a minute because, again, fans were turning on him and stuff like that. So, And they're going to get a rousing return soon in, in the near future here from him. So, Well, we get a nice long video package that highlights everything in this rivalry in case you weren't listening, <laughs> paid attention, or anything like that. And the uh, interestingly enough, the world champion Batista yeah. make his entrance first, uh, followed by Edge, and then I love this commentary note from Michael Cole as he points out that all three of these men, their lives became intertwined way back on May 11th when Edge cashed in the Money in the Bank 
after The Undertaker and Batista had their legendary cage match, as he calls it. And that match happened to take place in this very arena, which was just some great storytelling there. Some uh, great yeah. research from Cole, uh, which yeah. just does not happen enough. And great coincidence, too. Like, I yes. love when that kind of stuff happens. Because you know good and well they weren't like, well, we're going to pencil you in for the main event of Armageddon because of what. Like, it just happened to be like, oh, this also happened here. So I love that, man. It's great. And um, speaking of commentary, um, we have an interesting commentary team here. It's uh, Michael Cole is joined by Taz for the main, for the main event here because um, earlier on in the night, uh, just JBL and Cole on commentary all night, but during the Y2J versus Orton match, uh, Jericho gets tossed into JBL at ringside, and he actually comes in the ring and attacks Jericho to cause a DQ. And so he actually leaves from there and is now on commentary later on. But um, So we're going to go back to the classic SmackDown days, the early SmackDown days of, of Cole and Taz on commentary. So, But you... <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you didn't notice that? <laughs> I'll be honest with you, dude. Uh, I was watching this, and I watched like the first couple minutes of the match, and then something came up, and I had to turn it off, and so I went back the next day and watched it, and like I read your notes in between those two things, and when you said that, I was like, really? I, I, was, I guess I was half paying attention, maybe half asleep or something. I did not, I did not watch the earlier part of the pay-per-view and I did not pick up at all that Taz was commentating instead of JBL or like, I didn't realize it was not JBL or like, I didn't right. think it was weird that it was Taz. It just like, well, maybe I don't know, just man. So it's so ingrained in your brain. It is Cole and Taz. I guess. You know? Honestly, JBL is the one that doesn't make sense. So Yeah. <laughs> But that's that's pretty funny that it didn't even blip on your radar, man. That's hilarious. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, well, yeah, like you said, it's interesting that uh, Batista's out first and Edge next, and then Taker's out. And uh, this this Armageddon, um, I guess, set is very reminiscent of the one from last year. It's like the castle or whatever. But Taker's entrance is, dude, it's freaking epic. Like, oh, it's yeah. never it never gets bad. It's just flames everywhere. He's walking through a castle. It's just it looks awesome, man. And tell you what, man, Taz is jazzed up for this match. Probably because he's calling some actually good, like, superstars matches oh, and stuff. Change of pace from EC Dunn. Yeah. Yeah. So, Dude, they were but like, it's good stuff, man. How much flames we got left in the budget for oh, yeah. 2007? All right. Let's use them yeah. all for yeah. Taz's entrance here. Yeah. We got to get this butane off the, off the books before so New Year's much, Eve. Let's man. go ahead and blow it. <laughs> extreme fire hazard here but uh hey it looks cool and uh, again we get another really cool camera shot here with all three guys sort of framed up uh Golly, on yeah. the steps edge is waiting out everybody's entrance on the outside batista's on one corner of the ring mm -hmm. and another kudos to the camera team here uh just another really cool shot and uh good character work from edge that we're going to see throughout this whole match as he does not want to be anywhere near these guys. So he yeah. doesn't wait around in the ring. He gets as far away as possible from these guys uh, before the match starts. And I'll just say we're, we're going to do our best to do a little play by play here, but this match moves real it's, fast. So, yeah. Uh, we'll cover hit, hit the high points as best as we can. I'm sure we'll miss some fun stuff. But we'll try to give you the story as best as we can here. Yeah, we'll tell the story the best we can. But yeah, this match is a this is an absolute blitz, man. Just from just from get go, it's just and it just never stops. So 
like you said, um, Mickey J calls for the belt, and Taker just immediately goes for Edge, but he drops down off the apron. And and when I was watching their entrances again, I've never seen this match. I know how it ends, but I was like, man, I hope Edge plays that character during this match, and he does, man. Like I'd never seen it. I just, I just hoped that was the character he played. So yeah, Taker Batista lock up. Batista shoves Taker through the ropes. And without missing a beat, when Taker hits the ground outside, he just goes for Edge, who's and runs away from him, tries to get in the ring. Um, the, the Taker and Batista grab him, but he winds up getting away. And then Batista and Taker are going to battle themselves on the outside. So the story here is that we want Edge because of what he's done to us. But when he gets away, we're just going to beat the snot out of each other, basically. Yep. That's that's the story. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty much it here. Um, yeah. Undertaker ends up hitting uh, some apron offense on Batista. It's an apron leg drop on him, but Batista gets up and shoves Undertaker into the ring post, and then Edge comes up from behind Batista, shoves him into the ring post, uh, rolls Batista into the ring and gets a two count on him. Uh, Then Undertaker stands up on the apron to try to get in the ring, and Edge spears him off the apron and then turns around and walks into a black hole slam for Batista for a two count. So, like, every time somebody turns around, they hit one move on one guy, turn around into a move from the, from the next guy. That's kind of what happens here throughout the whole match. Bing, bang, boom. Oh, yeah, that's exactly the story of the match. So it's it's fantastic, and we're probably going to lose ourselves in it. But, um, yeah, uh, like you said, the, the Edge is going to get some shoulders in the gut and then reverses that and drop to old Batista into the middle turnbuckle. He's going to pose for the spear in the corner, like, you know, where he's kind of pulls his hair, like, you know, combs his hair back and, you know, lifts his hand up like the guy to get up. And uh, Batista stands up, and as Edge runs at him, Batista kicks him right in the face, and then it's a power slam and covers him, but Taker's going to drag Batista off, throw him into the steps outside, and then roll Batista back in, put Edge on the apron, hit some apron offense on Edge, go for the apron leg drop. As he goes for it, Batista clotheslines Taker, and Taker falls to the outside. So, again, this it's so much action. Absolutely. Batista turns around, hits a spine buster on Edge, he goes for a Batista bomb, but Edge pops down, hits old Death Valley blow uh, right to the crotch. But it's no DQ because it's triple threat, so it's okay. Mm-hmm. Remember that. That's going to be my only nitpick yes, in this right. match. Uh, yeah. Remember it's no DQ here. But Edge turns around, hits the uh, Impaler DDT and covers. But Undertaker pulls the referee out of the ring. Again, no DQ here. <laughs> So Taker gets in the ring. He starts throwing hands with Edge. Uh, starts rolling through his moves of doom. Corner splash, snake eyes, big boot. Goes for a cover. Uh, hits old school. Then picks Edge up for the last ride. And Batista comes flying in and spears Undertaker down. Edge uh, falls on top of all of them. Crash landing. Good spot there. Yeah, Edge winds up cannonballing butt first on Taker's chest, basically, and good stuff. And it's just, it's so much going on, man. And Batista throws Edge out and goes for Taker, only to get locked in that triangle choke. Mm-hmm. So um, suddenly, while he's in the triangle choke, the ring bell starts ringing. And it threw me off for a loop. I was like, no, that's not how this match ends. I know how this match ends. And uh, the ref is confused as well. Uh, Mickey J is looking over there. Taker breaks the hole because he thinks he's won. But then the camera cuts over to see Edge is actually the one that rang the bell out there. So really good. He'll move there. Again, it's no DQ. So it doesn't matter if he rings the bell, I guess. So 
good stuff. Yeah, taking a page out of Eddie Guerrero's book there. Mm -hmm. Fun little moment. And Undertaker, he gets frustrated with Mickey J and intimidates him into the corner. And then Edge comes running into the ring, hits a spear, and it only gets two. Uh, but I thought that was a great near fall because yeah. obviously, you know, like you think it's, oh, uh, you think Undertaker won with the bell ring, and then Edge comes in, you think he might steal it right there, but only a two count. Well, that's his thing is to steal wins after exactly. a spear from everybody, yeah. you know? Ultimate opportunist there. Mm-hmm. Edge turns around and spears Batista. That only gets two. And so Edge is freaking out. He's frustrated. He goes outside and grabs two chairs from the timekeeper's area. And he's going to go for the trusted concerto to try to take this one home. Yeah, he puts one under Batista's head. And he's going to go hit Batista with the other one. Batista is actually going to kick it into Edge's face. And then Taker's going to close on Edge to the outside. Batista and Taker in the ring, and uh, they go up top. Taker crotches Batista on the top rope, goes up, and he's standing on the middle rope, and it's a superplex, which, again, has become a more common. Mm-hmm. It's really common when these two guys are in the ring. When Batista and Taker are in the ring, they do this move every, I think, every match they've been in. <laughs> I think so. They've seen, they've done it. Yeah, seriously. Um, so, But it's, it's a cool spot because they're both big, big guys. So Taker rolls over to cover Batista, but only gets a two count. And when you see Edge peek up over the apron at this point, which I like, and that's going to kind of set the stage for what's coming next. He's he's eyeing the destruction and seeing what links he has to go to to, to win this match, possibly. Well, Undertaker eyes the old school again on Batista, but Batista catches him as he's jumping off the top rope and hits him with a spine buster. I think he did a similar thing uh, in Hell in a Cell or one of their other yeah. matches there, but it's a nice little spot. And then Edge, quote-unquote, runs into the ring and gets a spear from Batista as he comes in. He rolls back out of the ring, and then the camera cuts over to the side of the ring, and we see that there are two Edges outside of the ring. And Cole and Taz are freaking out what is going on. But Undertaker and Batista have no idea that the edge that just came in the ring is an imposter. Exactly. They always say two edges are better than one, but I guess we'll see if that's the case here. I've always said that. <laughs> I've always said that. Well, uh, Taker's going to choke slam Batista in the ring and signal with the throat slash that he's going to go for the tombstone. And then again, quote unquote, edge jumps off the top rope and Taker goozles him and catches him in a choke slam. And he kind of winds up laying there in the corner. Um, Taker drives Batista into the corner, hits his snake eyes, but then Batista comes right back and clotheslines Taker down. And then we see Edge, the real Edge on the outside, crawling by <laughs> the quote-unquote other Edge. And we're kind of confused. Cole and Taz are like, what? And th- But they note that Taker and Batista don't know there's more than one Edge out there, So, which is a good piece of storytelling. That's it, man. Undertaker hits the snake eyes on Batista, but Batista comes back with a clothesline. Batista goes for a power slam, but Undertaker reverses it into a tombstone. So he's rolling. You think he's about to get the win, but Edge comes in, nails a chair shot onto the Undertaker, and then steals the pin after Undertaker's tombstone on Batista to walk away with the World Heavyweight Championship steals the victory as Michael Cole comes in with the dad joke of the year and calls mm. him Edge. Edge is a Pittsburgh stealer as he steals one in Pittsburgh tonight. He doesn't let it sit there, though. He says, you know, because he stole the championship from, like, in Pittsburgh. I'm like, bro, we got it. Like, 
Yeah, dude. Like, <laughs> come on, man. Like, he won't let it just sit there. No, he has to. He has to shove it down your throat. But, <laughs> dude, this match is less than thirteen minutes. It's twelve fifty-five, and it it yeah. was awesome. This is a fantastic triple threat match. It was, it was just all action. It was hard to cover because I thought we were gonna get lost there, but I think we did a pretty good job going in sequentially. But um, man, it was really cool, and again, a cool, cool ending there. Nobody sleeps outside the ring for too long. Mm-mm. You know, they they trade off who's in there, and yeah, uh, one guy does one move, and next guy hits the next move. Bing, bang, boom. One of the better triple threats we've covered. A li- Absolutely, I wouldn't say it's as good as Taker and. Angle and Rock was up from 03, but but still really good. Um, it's really good. And I love that it went so fast. And uh, very creative finish here as the, the two other edges who are not identified but are going to be revealed to be the Major Brothers, who we've seen on SmackDown in the past few months and are going to go on to become Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder. They crawl past Edge on the way to the back as he holds the world title up high. They are in the same gear as him. They've got the same tattoos painted on their body as him. They've got the same haircuts as him. Um, and, you you know, they do a good job not really showing their faces, not really revealing too much. Right. But uh, if you were really paying attention, you could probably figure it out. That's who it was. But very creative finish. Uh, my only complaint or nitpick with it would be that like you said this is a no dq match so i don't quite understand why edge needed people to dress up as him to try to trick undertaker and batista if you really think about it he could have just paid these guys to come in with chairs and during the match during the match and bash batista and undertaker with it because he's already married or already in love with the GM. She's not going to care if he's doing yeah. all that. She wants him to win the world title anyway. Um, like I, if they wanted to do this finish, I feel like they should have done the whole Eric angle deal where like mm-hmm. Batista Undertaker pin one of the fake edges. And then like they stand up and they're in shock or the referee stops counting. Cause they realize it. Right. But they don't really go quite that way with it. But, um, Anyway, that's just nitpicking. I love the concept of it. Um, I love Hawkins and Ryder to this day. I love what this does for their career. Uh, so I'm cool with it. It's going to lead to some fun mm-hmm. stuff. And uh, it's really neat. They, they've talked about it on their podcast and on other podcasts that they pretty much, they pitched this idea to Edge, to be the Edgeheads. Mm-hmm. Like, they were floundering. They weren't doing anything. And uh, Hawkins and Ryder were just riding in the car and, you know, just came up with this idea sort of like the team angle, Kurt Angle, to be Edge's guys. And they, since they both sort of looked like him and they like texted him or left him a voicemail and he called him back and he said, yeah, let's do it. I'll, I'll pitch it and mm-hmm. run with it. And basically that's the reason why they're still in WWE 13 years later. Right, uh, exactly. They took a chance and took a risk on that. So really <clears throat> neat story. Absolutely, man. And again, really neat match, really good stuff. Great build up here again, having that heel uh, to really play off of with the baby faces is, is good. Uh, it adds a new wrinkle, and Edge is a top tier main event player. He's going to carry. He's going to help carry SmackDown into the next year, and it's, he's going to be he and he and Taker Batista are, in my opinion, always three guys I, I I put as the faces of SmackDown. You know, 
especially when I think back to this anytime between oh oh five and you know whatever the modern era yeah um these three guys are always the ones that I think of because they really carry the show and uh Taker uh or excuse me Edge has really put himself on a new 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 platform here new level and uh, I love it I'm excited to get some more of this stuff and see where he and he and in Taker are going to take over the next year, basically, <laughs> yeah. 2008, you know. We're going to so. get into it starting next week man, as we close the book on 2007, and we keep this podcast rolling, rolling, rolling on through The Undertaker's Last Ride next week. But before we get there, we want to hear from you. We want to hear all about this match, this rivalry, this triple threat, all the stuff with Vicky Guerrero where you just flabbergasted by this storyline back in the day. What would you think of it? What would you think of Teddy Long? What would you think of the Edgeheads debuting? All that good stuff. Uh, what'd you think of Mark Henry and Big Daddy V and the Dude. torture rack? Uh, Sign me up. <laughs> hit us up at Talking Taker, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram with all your feedback, all your comments. We are recording this one a little bit early, so we don't have any of them to read, but we'll read them in the future. If you were there and uh, if you uh, want to hit us up with any of your comments and all that, we'll fill them out on here. Uh, but until then, we'd love for you guys to subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all that good stuff. Leave us a rating. Leave us a comment. Help support tout. the show. Tout it out. TikTok it. Down the block it. Uh, and, uh, I don't even know what that is. <laughs> I just know that's all the kids are doing nowadays. It's telling like my dad. <laughs> uh, hit us up on tpublic.com. Pick up a t-shirt. They're probably on sale at some point. Uh <laughs> You know, put a little spending money in our pocket. We got to go meet the other day. We got to fly up to New York, man. We need some spending money in the big city. So throw a couple bucks our way. Get a King of Gong style shirt. Take your care of business shirt. Biker taker guy shirt. Stickers, hats, hoodies, all that good stuff, folks. We'd greatly appreciate it. And next week, we want you to join us as we kick off 2008 in the year of the dead man. Uh, Travis, are you a fan of Edge and the Big Show? Edge and the Big Show? Yeah, are you a fan of those two guys? Absolutely. Okay, good, because that's all we're talking about in 2008. <laughs> Just like, all right, perfect. I think we got five Edge matches and three Big Show matches that there we're going to in 2008. Buckle up, <laughs> folks. <laughs> but uh, oh, a lot man. of variety in those matches because we're going to get a... Uh, a, a casket match, a Hell in a Cell match, and our first ever TLC match involving The Undertaker, if you can believe that. We're going to cover our first... I forgot that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Our first Elimination Chamber involving The Undertaker, we're going to cover mm-hmm. in 2008. And we'll kick things off with another Royal Rumble watch-along. It's our tradition for the Royal Rumble matches that Undertaker's in. We queue it up, watched along with you guys. Undertaker came in at number 30 and had an epic finish with Shawn Michaels last time. This time he's going to come in at number one and have an epic beginning to the match with Shawn Michaels. So we will cover the build up to that Royal Rumble, watching along with you guys next week. And uh, looking forward to knocking through another year of the Dead Man's career with you, buddy. Absolutely, man. Can't wait. Get a uh, show started next week with a watch along for Royal Rumble. 
Looking forward to that. If you were there at the Mellon Arena in Pittsburgh for Armageddon 2007, please let us know. If you were there on May 11th when Ooh. Edge uh, defeated the Undertaker by cashing in his money in the beefcase, and then you were also there seven months later when this all came to uh, it all culminated in this triple threat match, that would be really cool. Let us know. If you are both of those, and you listen to Talk to Taker, that's awesome. <laughs> so, yeah, please let us know. Let us know what you thought. Uh, did you guys, watching at home, notice that Taz switched in from Michael Cole? Or did you, could you not tell Tex- <laughs> Texas and the Bronx accents apart like Callie's couldn't? <laughs> just Their accents are so similar, aren't they? No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, no, nah, man, Taz, tell you what, Taz fit in there like just like a like an old glove, man. He just fit right in there with Cole. So. I may have but, been uh, anyway. near the bottom of a bottle of wine at that point. So that, that may have played <laughs> okay. part of it. I'm not positive. Okay. Okay. Uh, anyway, well, if you were there, let us know. And otherwise, ladies and gentlemen, uh, look forward to seeing you in 2008, which is next week. So what? Hang on tight. Where are we? It's next week. <laughs> oh my god. 2008 is. Oh, I thought it was 2020. <laughs> no, no. We'll see you in 2008, ladies All right. and gentlemen. Take her easy. Baby, baby, baby. I, I know you're watching this. I just want you to know that I love you. I love you so much. And as soon as this show's over... Excuse me, excuse me. You mean to tell me that you got nothing else better to do than to come out here and send love messages to Vicky Guerrero? Why don't you text her? What's wrong with your phone? You know what? Shut up.